Welcome to Wheel to Wheel F1. I'm Noah Hicks, joined by Tanner Hicks and Lance Ellington. And today we're going to be talking about the best of the rest. Ferrari and McLaren, P3, P4, huge constructors, amazing histories. We're going to be talking about their drivers. We're going to be doing our NFL player comps as usual. And last but not least, we're going to be doing the team construction. Now I'm going to throw it to Lance to kick off his favorite team, McLaren. So here we go. Team Papaya. I hope all my McLaren fans are out there and listening to this right now as we're going to take a deep dive into McLaren, discuss the amazing lineup that is Lando Norris, that is Daniel Ricciardo, and why they may have finished P4, but they truly are the best of the rest, regardless of what the standings say. We can throw that out the window. And this is a great pairing. I'm excited to get to do McLaren and Ferrari together in this episode, not just for the points, but also because of the history both teams have. You know, I'm sure they're probably one, two in the history of the sport and the seasons they've been around and the years they've been here. So I'm just really excited about both the teams, but especially McLaren and discuss my favorite team on the grid. Like you said, it's a great driver lineup. I don't, I don't think Daniel Ricardo probably got his due last season for a lot of new watchers, including ourselves. Because Daniel Ricardo is a good driver. He might have just needed some time to adjust to the new car, a lot different from the Renault he drove previously. And we'll see what he brings us in 2022. It should be a good team. Again, 2022 going to be such a polarizing year with the new regulations, maybe a new order into how good each team is. But if we're talking purely driver pairing, McLaren, kind of like you said, Lance, is at least very close to the top of the field. And you talked about Daniel Ricciardo, really one of the icons of the sport, really kind of wears his personality on his sleeve, pretty boy, personality of F1. If you want to get one of the biggest personalities in F1, you go straight to Danny Rick. And so with him, you know, you've got a driver who started with Toro Rosso, went through the Red Bull system, drove with Red Bull for a few years, had a lot of success there and then made the surprising switch to Renault and then spent two years there and made the surprising switch to McLaren. He struggled a little little bit in his first year, but if Renault is any indication, you can expect for him to kind of rebound this year since he went from, I think it was eighth place in his first year with Renault to fifth place in his second, which is a pretty big jump, all things considered. So That could happen this year. It might not. We'll see. Um, But it's definitely something to look out for. Lando Norris, prepare yourself. You might have a teammate who's ready to fight. Now, it'll definitely be interesting to see what Ricardo is able to bring in that second season, especially with the history that he has. And I think we already were able to see some of the things that he's able to do given more time with the car after seeing him in this first season, you know, as he began to get the car under his belt, you know, and having that P1 in Monza kind of towards that middle of the season and continued to excel and close the gap between him and Lando throughout the second half of the season, I think really showed, I guess, his veteranness uh, per se and what he was able to bring to McLaren and how he was able to adapt and get used to the car over time. So definitely expect big things for Ricardo or maybe not big things, but definitely expect a step forward for him in this next year. Yeah, and I think one thing I do want to touch on, Lance, that you mentioned is the history of McLaren. It's not something that we've seen in a minute, right? Their last Constructors' Championship 
was in 2007 with Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso. The last driver's championship was 2008 with Hamilton. That's been a long time for, you know, not even arguably at least one of the top, probably three most historically great constructors in F1. And so there's been a big gap. Fernando Alonso was with the team for a little bit in their struggling years in the 2010s. And now it seems like they're back on the uptick. Obviously, again, we'll see what happens with the new regulations. But throughout 2021, certainly 2020, they were a competitive car. They weren't challenging Mercedes or Red Bull, but they were absolutely a a competitive car. Belong in the best of the rest discussion. Yeah, and you know, that's something that's been really good for McLaren to get back in that discussion. And one of the names that you can point to for that is, he's not their team principal, but their CEO, I think, is Zach Brown. He took hold of McLaren and kind of guided them back to relevance, uh, which is something that's great for the sport. It's, you know, with, with a constructor that has historic greats like Alan Prost, Ayrton Senna, Mika Hakkinen, Lewis Hamilton, and the list goes on and on. It's, it's great to see them back competing, getting a race win this year uh, in Monza, like you said, Lance, with Danny Ricardo finishing first and with, with Lando Norris right behind him in second. The, I think that was the only, the only sweep, the only P1 and P2 for a constructor in 2021, which is surprising considering how dominant Red Bull and Mercedes were. So I think it's really cool to see them competing back at the top, especially with such a dangerous driver pairing with someone who's got a lot of experience winning races in Danny Ricardo and someone with some of the most potential in the sport in Lando Norris. So let's, let's start talking about good old Lando. Lance, what do you got to share? Real quick, because I do want to talk about Lando, my favorite, personal favorite driver on the grid. Big Lando Norris stand. I do want to mention, though, that you, I loved it that you talking about the history of McLaren and how great they have been for the sport, the drivers that have been there. The sport is better when McLaren is successful and competitive and relevant. And last episode, we talked about Aston Martin and the beautiful car that they have. Well, let's be honest, McLaren also has one of the most beautiful cars on the grid. You know, it's, it's a great orange. It shines bright. They've added the blue here and there throughout the years, which has also added to the color. And personally, as a UT grad, and I know you guys are as well, I love the orange, and that's something that drew me to McLaren, along with the great history and the great drivers that they do have, such as Lando Norris. Go balls. <laughs> so Lando Norris is a great driver. He has been now in F1, if I'm or correct me if I'm wrong, but from 2019 till now, all years with McLaren, and has had great success in the years leading up to that in Formula 3. Uh, winning in his debut season as well as coming second in Formula 2 behind George Russell later on. And he's quickly progressed. I think there's a strong argument out there that he's been one of the most improved drivers over the last two, three years of the sport. You know, in 2019, he only scored 49 points. And two years later, he's already putting up 160 points, you know, more than tripling his total points scored and showing that he deserves to be there. He's one of the best and brightest, you know, young drivers in the sport and that he is someone to reckon with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't, don't get distracted. Don't be dissuaded by his Twitch appearances, his Twitch streaming. 
he is locked into Formula One and probably will be uh, at the top of the field for, for years to come. He's shown great pace. He probably should have had a little bit more points last year from the heartbreak in Sochi, missing out on that P1 victory after the rain came late in the race. He could have pit, pitted, decided to stay on track, and like the couple other people who decided to do that, spun out and was a, unable to retain his lead. And so, you know, I say all that to say 160 points could have been a lot more just that one race. He was in P1. It could have been 185 points. But um, yeah, he's a great driver. It's a great driver pairing. He's got a lot of work to do to try and catch Mercedes and Red Bull, but certainly in comparison to Ferrari right now, and to his teammate and Ricardo, he is showing up. Yeah. And so you talked about Lando and how he's been improving. And I really think a race win is coming for him, especially if McLaren na- managed to nail the regs this year. I, th- I think that he can be really competitive. But I mean, we can also talk about his former teammate, you know, Coming from Drive to Survive, you knew that some of the best friends, one of the best driver pairings on the grid was Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris, where they competed. Lando kind of got his feet wet in F1. He was slowly learning, Uh, maybe not that slowly, but he was behind Carlos Sainz, who was more experienced uh, as a driver, had been around the block, so to say. And, um, yeah, but now Lando Norris is at the front of his team and you have to wonder when Lewis Hamilton does retire, whenever that may be, even though Lando Norris is under contract till 2025, is he somebody that Mercedes is going to look at as a potential replacement? I mean, he is at the top of his game. No, and it has already been rumored that I think Red Bull, along with Mercedes, have already been taking a look at Lando. And I think that's why McLaren has been so keen on tying him down for these longer-term contracts, you know, giving, some of, giving him some of the longest contracts you know, in Formula One history. And let's not let it pass that Lando Norris is being looked at for this and is you know, getting these contracts because he's only a 22-year-old driver with you know, untapped potential still, with the capability in the right car, of winning a world championship or at the very least being highly competitive for a world championship in that P2, P3 spot, if not being able to be P1, being put behind the right cars, obviously, is where that starts. 100%. And the the right car, that's that's where it's at. You know, if, you, if you've got the right car, that's how you can compete. But you have to wonder, is he going to find the, the maturity? You know, he stayed out in Sochi in that rain he thought he could make it all the way and so did my guy so did charles leclerc but he wasn't the one leading the race he was trying to jump places so can lando get over that hump can he win some races this year because i don't think he's going to win the driver's championship this year i mean no one really thinks that mclaren is going to be there but can he at least get a, a race win he got a few podiums i think he got four podiums last year um, but that win still eludes him, and it really is such a huge milestone in a driver's career, can take them to the next level um, in terms of confidence, in terms of uh, being able to perform under that big stage. Tanner, what do you think? You know, I mean, I, I absolutely agree that it's a huge milestone to jump into. It's going to 
you know, jumpstart potentially a lot more victories from any driver, especially somebody as young as Lando. Uh, the biggest thing I have to say to all of that is it's going to be tough for Lando to get that victory and be competing consistently for that victory. If he doesn't get the support from his teammate, we saw Daniel Ricardo struggle early in the season. Like we said, he came back later on. He finished, I believe, 45 points behind Lando Norris, not as large as it was at midpoint. He did make a good bit of headway, but we need to see Daniel Ricardo continue to improve to be able to support Lando Norris and vice versa to see both of those McLarens get as many podiums as possible. Cause that's not happening. If both of those teammates aren't working together real quick, Tanner, does Daniel Ricardo leapfrog or at least help Lando Norris more than he did this last year in 2022? Are you asking me if they're going to finish higher in the standings? I'm asking you if Daniel Ricardo is going to be more competitive slash are they going to be closer in points? Is, is Daniel Ricardo going to be the bottleneck for McLaren this year like he was last year? Absolutely not. Uh, no, <laughs> no, you will not. Daniel Ricardo is a great driver. He proved that, like you said earlier, in his second season. And with Renault, he's finished P5, which is absolutely outstanding. And he had a fantastic career with Red Bull. Sorry, Drive to Survive fans. Daniel Ricciardo wasn't a petulant kid who decided to leave the team because Max Verstappen was coming up. Daniel Ricciardo is a great driver, and he was throughout all of his time with Red Bull Racing. And I expect him to at least come closer to Lando next year. I don't think he's going to leapfrog him because I think with Daniel Ricciardo getting more experience with the car, probably going to improve next year. I think Lando's going to make a little bit of a jump to just getting more experience under the, his belt. I don't think we'll see a Sochi situation happen again, except for potentially a Sochi situation where he's leading in P1 for a lot of the race. So I, I no, I don't think he's going to leapfrog him, but I think the driver pairing is going to be a lot closer next year than it was this year. No, I definitely agree with that point. I expect, you know, Ricardo to make that jump and I expect Norris to also make a jump and continue to progress. And on that maturity note you were talking about, Noah, that's something that just comes with any driver, right? Like he's going to continue to mature. We saw things with Verstappen. There was growing pains with him and his competitiveness and the way he drove. And we're seeing it a little bit with Lando uh, in his younger age as well to do a quick comparison. So I see Norris definitely improving, hopefully getting on top of that podium, getting more podiums, increasing his points. And let's let it not slip away that I think Norris was around third place in the driver's uh, championship around the midpoint or the midsummer break of the F1 season last year. And it's not crazy to think he can continue to replicate some of that first half success. I understand P3, you know, given the changes to the new cars, it's tough to make any predictions right now on what we think each team is capable of achieving. But in their own right, I think Norris and Ricardo will both make jumps of who they are as drivers and their spot with McLaren on the team. Yeah, that's a good point. But but Lance, what happened in that second half of the year? Why did he fall off? Obviously, Ferrari came out with a fresh engine that made them a lot more competitive and kind of made them clearly better than McLaren. I think most would agree in that second half of the year. But outside of that, what happened? Because Lando was the epitome of consistency in the first half of the year. I don't know what happened. He just fell off for some races that mo of consistency kind of went away what do you what do you think happened there 
I definitely will put some of it on Lando and just the style of driving that he is, you know, being a bit more aggressive and being a bit more of a late breaker, we say, and willing to take risks that maybe other drivers aren't. But I also think it was just a string of bad luck, whether it was his tire getting punctured, you know, by signs front wheel coming down at the start of a race all of a sudden, or being the subject to the crash between a uh, Botas and Stroll at the Hungarian Grand Prix and these different little instances that added up and Norris just happened to get the butt of it, you know, regardless of where it would be or gravel, you know, all the way up to the final race where gravel had punctured his tire at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. I think it's a mix of, you know, maturity kicking it or a mix of lack of maturity in his driving technique that maybe caused some of the errors that took place for him to fall back from his quality positions, but also just a bit of string of uh, bad luck too, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And one thing I want to hit on there is it's not necessarily Lando falling off as much as it was Sergio Perez really came into his own the second half of the season. He did not have a great start to Red Bull. He was good, but he wasn't nearly uh, at Max Verstappen's level with that Red Bull car. And to his own right, Valtteri Botas had a good second half of the season too. And so I think it's fair to say that it also was a result of those two drivers kind of coming into their own form raising to the level of their car in that second half of the season. All right. On that, let's shift into NFL player comps. And so we're, we're talking about Lando Norris. We're talking about his potential, his level or lack thereof for maturity. We're talking about how he is beloved on the grid as someone who really brings it where, and then I'll also add, he's got a little bit of a baby face. And for all of those reasons, I chose Justin Herbert as his NFL player comp. Justin Herbert's, for those who don't know, is the quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers, my favorite player in football team, who hasn't seen playoff, hasn't seen the playoffs in his short career. Um, he's clearly one of the top talents in the NFL, but has not quite reached that point where he's competing at the highest level yet. Despite what he's done, he's been held back for whatever reason. And I think for that reason, there's a pretty good comp to Lando Norris. Lando doesn't have a race win yet, which I might equate to a playoff appearance for the NFL in some way, kind of. So I think that's my comp. What do you guys think? Well, thinking about that, I definitely have to agree with the comp, especially because of the ceiling that I see for Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert, as well as the ceiling I see for Lando Norris. You know, I think Justin Herbert is definitely capable with the right team around him and assuming progression, you know, continues on path, capable of an MVP, you know, of maybe some Super Bowl appearances, depending on what the team can put around him. And I think the same for Lando, right? I think he's capable of winning multiple races in a season possibly even a driver's championship one day as long as he's with you know the right car the right team the right teammate on the grid and so that's where I see them very comparable is on that high ceiling there's definitely other young quarterbacks that I think there are some good comparisons out there for that others may argue about having a high ceiling such as maybe a Kyler Murray shall we say or a Joe Burrow but who may have had too much success now to have that comp be fair what do you think Tanner? So for all the reasons that you guys just said, I think Justin Herbert's a good take. For all the reasons that you just said, I think Kyler Murray is a better take. And here's why. Okay. Okay. I think Kyler Murray 
in my opinion, and I'm biased, and I will end up to that, has a higher ceiling than Justin Herbert. Kyler Murray, we've seen, especially last year, was probably at least top two or three in the MVP voting for the first half of the season. Justin Herbert wasn't. Lando Norris, for the first half of last season, was at least top two or three in MVP voting through the first half of the season. Kyler Murray is a short, baby-faced guy. Noah, I'm hitting on your point right now. Lando Norris has that short, baby-faced look. And I think Kyler Murray's a flashier player than Justin Herbert. I mean, you see some flashy plays with his running style, some of the throws he makes. I think Lando Norris is one of the flashier drivers on the grid in terms of his driving style. He's a lot more aggressive than some of the other drivers out there with his, especially some of his first lap moves to the outside to try and gain places if he ever qualifies poorly. So that's why I have Kyler Murray again. No, I'm, I know I'm stepping on yours, Justin Herbert. Uh, I guess I would say Homer is the word we're looking for. You know, I, these are fun takes to do with a guy like Lando Norris, right? Because there's a lot of young talent in the NFL and he's a young talent in Formula One. I think this is great. But I think the comp that we all should be hoping for and rooting for is the Tom Holland take, right? We all want to see Lando <laughs> Norris win multiple world championships because we want to see a reason for Tom Holland to portray Lando in a great movie about his success and about his story. We can't get enough of Tom Holland, can't get enough Lando Norris. I want to see that movie made. And for that, we need Lando Norris to start getting some podiums and more wins. Yeah, and, and I would love to see Tom Holland portray Lando Norris in a future doc about his successes. And I think there's none, no comp better for him to portray him as than Justin Herbert. Tanner, you said Kyler Murray's got a higher ceiling. The guy can't even reach the ceiling. He's like five foot six. Now, oh, almost like an F1 driver. Hmm. Different sports, man. Different sports. And then you, you talk about flashiness. Now, now that, just, that just goes into how you define flashy. To me, flashy is a guy who pulls off the tightest throws in the league. Uh, statistically, Justin Herbert in traffic has one of the best throw in traffic percentages in the league. Now that nearly equates to the late breaking style of Lando Norris. So, yeah. So, I mean, you talk about the running thing, but I, I, I got, I got to clap back on my, uh, on my Justin Herbert take. So I just wanted to throw that back out there. And before you have the chance to disagree, Oh, wait, Lance, Lance has got something. I'm not going to let Tanner talk, but Lance has got something. So I, this is not, this is getting Tanner's way, but Kyler Murray is a dual sport athlete, right? Drafted by the athletics to go play baseball. Drafted by the Cardinals to play football. Lando Norris, Formula One renowned driver. Also an amazing Twitch streamer with a great following on Twitch. (laughs) Two sport athlete, dare I say. And and let's not rule out the golf game that Lando Norris has on the side. Let's not rule out those off-season swings that we've been seeing from Lando. Justin Herbert just got a hole-in-one. This this is February 27th, everybody. He got a hole-in-one yesterday playing with Keenan Allen. He's got the golf game. He's also got a mean brisket game. Now, that that can equate to some Twitch streaming right there. 
Anyways, let's jump over to another fun NFL player comp. We talked about him a little bit in some other comparisons, but for Daniel Ricardo, I am going to choose Russell Wilson. He's a guy who's been around in the sport for a long time, just like Daniel Ricardo. He's fought at the top of the game. He won a Super Bowl. He appeared in two, including his win, and has been long time regarded as one of the top five top drivers or top quarterbacks in the league. Now, this is a great comp, in my opinion, for Daniel Ricardo because both of them, though they've been at the top of their game, though they've had race wins slash Super Bowl wins, however you want to put it, they haven't ever been considered the best. They've never been the best in the league. The MVP comparisons, votes, whatever. And so for that reason, I've got them both there. Not to mention Russell Wilson and Daniel Ricardo are both kind of great personalities, great representations, great role models for the sports that they represent. I think both of them stand for, for what each sport wants to display to the world. And so for that reason, I've got Russell Wilson as the comp for Daniel Ricardo. Guys, what do you think? I think that I think that's a good comparison. I, I think there's no better driver on the grid right now that fits Russell Wilson as a perf, as a uh, player comp. I think for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, they're a really good comparison. I don't think Daniel Ricardo has ever been, like you said, considered for the best driver on the grid, but he's always been absolutely up there and i think one thing that i mean again i'm going to stay on my take that i think daniel ricardo is going to be better next season but one thing to compare with them if we're just talking 2021 russell wilson took a step back of course he was injured for a good part of the season and daniel ricardo undoubtedly took a step back as well especially for the first part of the season so that's it's a great comparison for a lot of a lot of reasons um don't have really any gripes with it. Um, I'll give you this one, uh, but I'm going to stay on my hill from, from Lando Norris. I like the Ricardo uh, Wilson comp as well. You know, you did good talking about, you know, who they are in their respective games and their talent, you know, and what they're able to achieve and how they're perceived. And I think that's a fair comp as well as their personalities. And, you know, both of them with those, uh, those bright smiles and bright personalities and, you know, you definitely get to see that with Russell Wilson, that's particularly at the Pro Bowl because they haven't been making the Super Bowl much of late. And you get to see it with Ricardo there on Drive to Survive and see him joking around with whether that's the crew, whether that's with whoever his teammate is at the time of filming. So definitely agree. Solid comp. Not a whole lot to say other than that. Thanks, guys. Yes. I, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the only the only thing there is Russell Wilson's the definition of a people pleaser. He's He's not going to ever be very controversial and maybe probably cuss in uh, <laughs> in the media. Daniel Ricardo never shies away from that. He wears, like you said, his personality on his sleeve. We're going to give Daniel Ricardo that all day long. He can convince even Zach Brown to do a shoey. Absolutely. I don't think Dan, you'd find Russell Wilson doing a shoey at any point. No, definitely love having Ricardo on the grid, having that Aussie, and uh, excited for him to be able to go back home and race in Melbourne this year and have that opportunity to race in his home country should be, should be very exciting for him after being away the last two years. 
Yeah, so I guess with that, we can get into Ferrari and, and their driver pairing for this 2022 season, what we think is coming from them. And with that, we're going to jump into my favorite team, the iconic red Scuderia Ferrari, the Italian team who has been a paragon of the sport for years and years, having the best, yeah, I'm going to say it, the best driver of all time in Michael Schumacher. And really just one of the iconic brands of any sport. Uh, when you think of teams that dominate a sports brand, you think of Ferrari dominating F1. You think of maybe Lakers, Celtics for the NBA. You think of, I don't want to say Patriots for the NFL. Brady. That kills say me. it. I won't. won't. You think of the Yankees (laughs) and Red Sox for the MLB. And and yeah, when you think of F1, you think of Ferrari. Lance, what do you think about this team? I think this is great. You know, they definitely remind me of the Cardinals of the baseball world. You know, that beautiful red and that historic team that is there. No, but seriously, Ferrari is a great team. They're great to have it on the grid. They're always been competitive. They have wonderful history. And as you said, it's a brand that everyone knows, regardless if it's Formula One or just through a car in general. Growing up, you know, it was always, do you want a Ferrari or do you want a Lamborghini? Well, Ferraris in Formula One and Lamborghini is not, so I'd rather take a Ferrari. Tanner, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you hit the, you hit the head on the nail right there. Uh, Ferrari is a cool brand. It's always been a cool brand and it's a cool car. It's a cool red and it's even cooler, darker red for this upcoming season with their new livery. And so there's not a lot you can say negatively about Ferrari's history, right? Like they've been a dominant team for, for ages. Like you said, no, Michael Schumacher is one of the most dominant drivers of all time. You don't have to say he's the best, but you have to agree that he's probably a top three driver of all time. They have had some great other drivers over the years with Kimi Raikkonen winning their last driver's championship in 2007. Felipe Massa wasn't maybe a hugely successful driver, but he was a part of that last constructors championship in 2008. You had Alonso there for some years. You had Vettel there for some years. Again, Nicky Lauda, tons of guys who have come through Ferrari and just been absolute class. It's an iconic car. It's an iconic brand and it's an iconic team. And so there's not a lot you can say. They have a that's negative, especially with their driver paying for this coming year. Noah, go at it. All right. All right. So my favorite driver, Charles Leclerc, I think has really come into his own. I think he epitomizes what Ferrari want in a driver. You've talked about Ferrari being class. Now he may be young. He may be a little bit inexperienced, But one thing that he makes up for in those areas is his class. He brings that brand to his driving, to to how he carries himself. You know, he's he's a classy driver. He is an aggressive driver. But that's that's what Ferrari is looking for. That's what took him to the top. You know, we talked about Michael Schumacher. He He had a mean streak, you know. When, when he had to anyway, when he had to. He did have the most dominant year of all time in 2002 where he won 11 of the 17 races. So maybe he didn't have to be that mean then because he was just absolutely thrashing the field. 
But yeah, so you've got Charles Leclerc, who they locked into for a long-term deal, even though he was young, even though he didn't have that much F1 experience. And then you've got Carlos Sainz. You've got a guy who has kind of the pedigree that you're looking for. His, his dad, Carlos Sainz Sr., was a rally car driver, hugely successful there. And Sainz has kind of made his way around the field, made his way around the grid on all these different teams in F1. He's still relatively young at, I think, 27, maybe 26. Um, But, you know, he's been on teams like Toro Rosso, like McLaren, like Renault. And now he's on Ferrari, really coming into his own. He even beat Charles Leclerc, much to my dismay, uh, in the last year. But, But I will take the Ferrari success and... Uh, you know, rumor has it that their car is going to be very competitive this year. We will see. <laughs> With Charles Leclerc, when I think about him and what he's capable of, how good he is, and maybe this is wishful thinking, but I put Leclerc, Russell, Norris, and maybe a few other guys on the grid. I kind of have them in this class as young drivers with lots of potential for you know, world championship, given the right team, as we've been talking about the importance of being with the right team in the right car. I think there's a good chance Leclerc is already at that team in Ferrari and Russell with that in Mercedes. But that's what I see from Leclerc. I see high potential. He needs to perform better, though, in this upcoming year than he has previously. He did lose to signs, not only signs, but also Norris, his counterpart in McLaren. And he needs to step up just a little bit with this new car. And with signs, like you said, not only did he beat Leclerc this past year, but he also outperformed and was the best of the rest, losing only out to the Mercedes and the Red Bull drivers in the final standings for the drivers' championship. Yeah, and I I don't think Carlos Sainz always gets his due, right? Like maybe he's not as flashy as a Lando Norris or as a George Russell or as a Charles Leclerc, but he wound up beating. Charles Leclerc in his first season. And that's not to shortchange Charles Leclerc, right? Charles Leclerc is one of only three drivers to ever win Formula Two in his debut season there, along with George Russell and Alpine's reserve driver Oscar Piastri. So these are this is a highly touted field to be in. And he managed to beat him in his first season, Leclerc's third season. So it'll be interesting to see how they go into 2022 at, but definitely with with signs. He's absolutely coming into his own in this Ferrari car. No, I think you could definitely see his confidence build up as the year went on and can definitely see a potential for him this year to take another step forward and maybe help Ferrari back up into that competition at the top of the grid for those P1, P2 spots and moving forward. Yeah, and I'll bite. Charles Leclerc had a bit of an unlucky 2021 you know he had quote unquote pole in monaco wrecked (laughs) wrecked at the end of q3 and was ultimately unable to start on sunday which was a big loss because knowing monaco you know that could have been an easy p1 it's really difficult for cars to pass each other in monaco and so he could have gotten a p1 there He also, unfortunately, was bulldozed by Lance Stroll and and the uh, Botas Stroll massacre um, that we talked about in a previous (laughs) episode. And, you know, he had he had wrecks like that where it truly was just unfortunate. Maybe the Monaco wreck was his fault. I don't really want to admit it, but maybe it was his fault. 
but he had he had a little bit of bad luck in 2021. And, and so for that reason, I am confident that he's going to outperform Carlos Sainz's uh, in this upcoming year. Maybe I'm getting a little bit in the preseason predictions. Maybe, maybe I'll save that. But um, you talked about Sainz's consistency and how he does kind of fly under the radar, which is an amazing point. And, and for that reason, I think that's why I think it's the best driver pairing on the grid. You have two drivers, one who brings the aggressiveness, brings the flashiness in his driving style um, and can get you those race wins where it takes the next level. And then in the other driver in Carlos Sainz, you have a guy who can bring consistent results. So in the case that Ferrari might have the car to compete, I think they have a phenomenal setup to help possibly bring them a constructor's championship. Now it remains to be seen whether they can get a driver's championship because you do have guys like Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton still on the grid who will bring 150% out of their car, no matter what. Now they are a great pairing and definitely in that conversation for the best driver pairing on the grid. You know, it's a little tough to speculate. It'd be interesting to see what maybe Russell and Hamilton look like. And if Perez can be consistent as he was that second half of the year, definitely makes Red Bull another strong contender for best driver pairing, I would say, as the minister of defense. But Sainz and Leclerc, a great pairing, a great combination. And I think they get along well off the grid as well, which as we've talked about earlier, that's just always a fun thing when the drivers at a team are getting along. Yeah, for sure. And it looks like, based on how signs has been in his career that he's kind of just a guy that is going to get along with pretty much everybody. He's pretty easygoing. He loves to, to hang out with, with any of his teammates. He loves to play golf. He loves to watch soccer. A couple things that I'm a big fan of, you know, long story short, you're absolutely right. Having some good relationships between your teammates makes drive, makes their competition on track a lot smoother right you don't want any racing going on between two teammates during the season costing the team points or anything like that and if they're able to keep up a solid relationship and avoid those sticky situations then it's definitely going to be in ferrari's advantage yeah and that's a good point because in years past when you have teams that do have drivers who are at odds it kind of eliminates their chances of winning the constructors championship unless you know your mercedes uh in which case if it's nico rosberg and and lewis hamilton and i think 2016 maybe maybe 2015 um, both years probably um they fought a lot but their car was just so much better that it didn't really matter but needless to say it does matter ferrari however much hype they might have going into this year, they're going to have to compete hard with Mercedes, McLaren, and Red Bull. And maybe Tanner, you got your guys with El Plan. Maybe, maybe they'll surprise us all. But yeah, I mean, the, they, they have to be on the same page. And uh, especially when you've got a situation with two younger drivers who have a lot of ambition, that, Problems can arise there. So it'll be interesting to see uh, that play out uh, if, if they start to uh, get on each other's nerves. There's no sign of that yet, though. 
We'll definitely be interested to see how this plays out. And that's why it's so much fun talking about these teams like McLaren, Ferrari, you know, later on Red Bull and Mercedes, because we're talking about the cream of the crop, the best of the best, the top drivers. And we're speculating on is a championship, you know, or is Ferrari back to their winning ways? Is that the potential? Did they get the car right with these new regulations moving forward? I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the truth comes out, uh, you know, looking at the Bahrain race in March. But yeah, I mean, we've, we've been talking about those those competitions one of the big ones is when Leclerc came into Ferrari, uh, him and him and Vettel notoriously didn't get along great. They um, they they fought a little bit on on the track. They but you know both of them carry themselves professionally, obviously, and so that that was uh, certainly a storyline that that uh, they wanted to play out. Yeah, and I think that's something that Drive to Survive probably drummed up a little bit more than they needed to with the rivalry between Vettel and Leclerc because, as some of you may know, they got along a little bit better than they were portrayed to in that show. The rivalry, the on-track competition wasn't as bad as it was portrayed out to be. It was really just a scenario where, you know, like Noah said, Leclerc coming in as that young guy who's starting to outperform Vettel wasn't something that Vettel loved to see, but it wasn't necessarily ever a, oh my God, what's going to happen between these two guys? Are they going to wreck this race kind of mentality as it was with some driver pairings in the past? But Noah, I'm really curious. I got to hear what you got to say. What are your NFL quarterback uh, comparisons for these two drivers? So we'll jump into my guy first. For Charles Leclerc, it was a bit tough for me to think of one. In terms of modern quarterbacks or quarterbacks playing right now, my first thought was someone like Lamar Jackson, who's pretty flashy, pretty um, up there in terms of talent, in terms of potential um, as, a, as a young quarterback in the league. Uh, but one that I kind of settled on, which, which I'm taking a very specific part of his career, is a, a young Cam Newton. Cam Newton on the Panthers when he got there was a sensation from the start, just like Charles Leclerc when he got into the got into F1 uh, with Saber. And yeah, I mean, Cam Newton came into the league and just succeeded from the start. And he had a Super Bowl appearance, which is an amazing achievement as that you know, stud on the Panthers. And in 2019, Charles Leclerc had two race wins, which is really difficult for anyone of, with that much youth. And so that's my comp. Um, to add on to that, though, part of the reason I chose this was, you know, going back to that class, that kind of uh, fashion, I guess, is, is what we'll say for Cam Newton. Um Charles Leclerc seems like a guy who, who likes to show off a little bit. He likes to flaunt a little bit, um, you know, maybe model some clothing here and there. And Cam Newton is pretty notorious for having some pretty out there outfits. And so I thought he'd be, he'd be a good guy to point at in terms of someone who maybe has a similar taste for fashion, maybe not taste, but uh, enjoyment of fashion. Tanner, I, I, I see a shake in your head. How do you feel about that comp? 
It's not bad. Um, I, I, I'd say there's a lot of positives you can take from the young Cam Newton comp. Um, but I don't think it's it's far-reaching to compare Charles Leclerc to, to almost any of the young quarter successful quarterbacks in the NFL today. I think he's a great comparison for somebody like Joe Burrow, especially if you're talking about 2020 in a car that for Ferrari that wasn't very competitive. It was behind, I believe, Renault and McLaren that year, which Ferrari wasn't used to. Maybe the Bengals aren't used to the same type of success as Ferrari is, but you do have to say that in terms of swagger, in terms of talent, in terms of the young comparison, that Joe Burrow does fit some of the mold that Charles Leclerc has put forth in his career so far. Um, but absolutely not much wrong with the, the young Cam Newton take. I just think that there are a few young driver or young quarterbacks today that fit the bill as well. And I definitely like the, uh, the Lamar Jackson comparison. Cam Newton's good. You know, Charles Leclerc is a big fashion guy going to Milan Fashion Week and all that. But I got to go with Lamar Jackson. And it's not just because of some of the points we talked about, them being young and exciting and experiencing success early on in their careers. But for another point of Lamar plays for the Baltimore Ravens, which maybe we don't think of them when we think of the 80s and the 90s. But when you want to talk about the thousands of a team that's been consistent, particularly with Harbaugh as their head coach, that's the Ravens. They've experienced consistent success over these last two decades, winning, you know, a couple of Super Bowls. But at the same time, over the last few years, maybe have fallen off and haven't been at the top like they have been the rest of the decade. And so that's something I see for Ferrari, right? They've, you know, definitely a longer history than the Ravens and have a lot more success over time than the Ravens. But of recent, they haven't been meeting what, you know, their expectations are for them as a team and as an organization. And I think they're expecting to return next year, along with Ferrari expecting to return, I guess, this year as well, moving forward. Yeah, and one thing I want to mention about all three of these quarterbacks we've mentioned between Burrow, Lamar, and Cam Newton it's nice to have somebody like Charles Leclerc compared to him. Charles Leclerc, like I said earlier, is one of those only drivers to win his debut Formula 2 season. Those are all quarterbacks between Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow, who won the Heisman Trophy when they were in college. So I think that's a fun comparison just to think about uh, when, when looking at these players and athletes. Yeah, and before we jump over to Carlos Sainz, Tanner, I want to address your, your Joe Burrow take which I did consider heavily uh, because they've enjoyed similar levels of success. The only thing that held me back is that Joe Burrow kind of represents, especially playing for a Cincinnati team coming from Ohio. He kind of represents a bit of a, a blue chip guy, which is not what Charles Leclerc represents um, for better or for worse. Um, but that was the only thing that kind of, held me back from picking Joe Burrow as that, that comparison uh, because they do have very similar backgrounds. But on that, I'm going to jump over to Carlos Sainz, who I struggled a little bit to pair. He has been around the block. He's a pretty experienced driver, even though he's only 27. Um, one thing that definitely comes to mind when you think about Carlos Sainz is his consistency, is his performance near the top. Um, 
And so for those reasons, that cool under pressure consistency theme, I chose Matt Ryan, AKA Matty Ice, representing my home city of Atlanta, who has is more of a veteran than Carlos Sainz is, I'll admit that. Um, but he, what, where I will make the comparison is he had a near MVP season where he took his team to the Super Bowl and had a famous collapse, um, which is besides the point, but just wanted to bring that up. And he has performed at a really high level for a long time, which is what Carlos Sainz has done with Renault, with McLaren, and now with Ferrari. He's a relevant player at the top, um, but he's not necessarily considered the top. And so for that reason, that's what I, why I chose Matty Ice as the comp for Carlos Sainz. Lance, what do you think? I, I struggle with this one a lot. I really do. And I, Me I too. think, I think this is almost a little bit of dis, disservice for Sainz if we're thinking about where they're both looked at today in their respective fields, right? Carlos Sainz is coming off of finishing best of the rest, finishing fifth in Formula One, you know, and Matt Ryan hasn't really done much since that Super Bowl collapse. And about a year from retirement. Just struggled. <laughs> about a year from retirement. And he's retirement. a year from, yeah. No, exactly. He's about a year from retirement. There was talks of a year ago of the Falcons moving on and getting a new QB in the draft. And Signs is nowhere, you know, near retirement, if I say so. Or I hope so. I hope to watch him for the next five plus years in Formula One driving and being competitive and being at the top of the field. And I think he will be. And where I think Carlos Signs better comparison would lie is not a present day quarterback, but in Philip Rivers, someone, as you said, maybe never at the top, always relevant, always there, a guy to consider, a guy to respect, and a guy who was talent and made his team better. And that's kind of how I see Carlos Sainz. He may never be that best driver on the field, may never be in that top, top tier of drivers on the grid looked at by the fans but he's always going to be relevant. He's always going to be a little bit scary to go up against down a straight. And you got to always give Carlos Sainz his respect as a driver. Tanner, what are you thinking? I absolutely agree. I think Matt Ryan's probably a disservice to Carlos Sainz and his quality as a driver. Um, and we can take the middle ground and go with the Philip Rivers take after I get through what I'm about to say. Because I really love Carlos Sainz. I think he's a hugely underrated driver, at least compared to what we've talked about him to, uh, today. And I would say a good comparison for him in the NFL today is Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. And here's why. Josh Allen took a little bit to get in, into the groove of things. He definitely took a little while to become a great quarterback in the NFL. But he got there. And you can say he's – it's very easy to say he's a top three, top five quarterback in the NFL right now. But you know what? Carlos Sainz just came P5. He finished ahead of Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris. I'm not saying that he's a better driver, and I think he's going to be a better driver going forward. We'll get into that in predictions. But Carlos Sainz has come into his own after maybe a little bit of a rocky start, not always coming on top in his days and Renault or Toro Rosso. But once he got to McLaren, he got P6 in two consecutive years. That's impressive. It wasn't that great of a car. It was a good car, but it wasn't a out of this world car. And now he's P5 with Ferrari. 
the best of the rest. I'm going to give him Josh Allen. This may be a stretch, but I don't care. I love Carlos Sainz. Yeah, I think where you said at the start that we might have to take the middle ground of Phillip Rivers, I think you're right there. I I agree that the the time to uh, time to maturity point is is good for both Josh Allen and Carlos Sainz, but I can't settle on Josh Allen because he's younger than Carlos Sainz and he's closer to an MVP than Carlos Sainz by quite a bit. And so for that reason, I don't think I can make that comp. Um, but again, I really struggled on this one, so I can't, I, I can't really disagree with you too much because this is a tough one for current day quarterbacks. Okay, guys, I'm, I'm going to flip a switch here. We're, I'm sticking a stake in the ground. Carlos Sainz comparison is Josh Allen. I think that's really good, and <laughs> I'm going to back that, and I'm going to commit to that and be bold about it. Carlos Sainz can be a bit underrated, a bit underestimated, and I'm not the biggest Ferrari fan or, you know, a diehard Sainz fan, but he is a good driver, and he deserves his respect the same way Josh Allen deserves his respect. Yes, Josh Allen may be closer to being at the optimum of football, you know, winning an MVP, winning a Super Bowl. But Sainz is still great and is just as talented as maybe Allen is, and Allen just happens to have a better team around him right now than maybe Sainz does, we can say. So I'm going to stake my foot in the ground, and that's the comparison I will die on for Sainz. There we go. There we go. Tanner, top of the quarterback draft comps once again. All right. All right, boys. We've got a young Cam Newton slash Joe Burrow slash Lamar Jackson and – I guess Josh Allen for our Ferrari drivers. I had fun talking about Ferrari. Lance, close us off. Well, we appreciate you guys listening in. I hope you're enjoying the team reviews so far. We got one episode left of team reviews. We'll be reviewing, that's right, Red Bull and Mercedes, your constructor and your driver champions. It'll be a great conversation, great discussion. And yes, we will get in to Abu Dhabi and all the mess that took place in the final race of the season and all the drama as always. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. And to catch all the latest news from us, follow us on Twitter at F one wheel to wheel. Thanks again. And that's the checkered flag for today. We'll see you next time on the wheel to wheel F one podcast. <laughs>